Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In 2014, a Louisiana woman posted a photo of a coffee mug in an ad on Craigslist. The text read, This image of an angel appeared in my cup after drinking hot chocolate on one stressful evening. It was a sign of surprising events to come the next day. The full story is that for three weeks I had been denied insurance coverage for a major repair on my property. The day after the angel appeared in my empty hot chocolate cup, the insurance company approved the repair. <clears throat> I feel that it was a miracle. A miracle may work for you in some way also. $1,500 cash only. She claimed she wanted to pass on her free miracle to someone else for a price. <clears throat> I think that if anybody actually paid $1,500 for a dirty old mug, that would have been a miracle. And if you're a little short on cash, she was also offering a mug with a chocolate residue caveman on the bottom for only $500. Now, I don't think you could call her experience a, a miracle or even coincidence, just a cup filled with baloney. We've heard about Jesus' image appearing in unusual places uh, before, haven't we? Uh, just this past month, <clears throat> he showed up inside a tree limb in Brazil. The tree was being pruned when the trimmers discovered the image during their work. An appearance in April on the outside of a tree on the bark brought residents in a Colombian town out of lockdown to look and wonder. Uh, my all-time favorite, I think, is still the uh, Praying Jesus Cheeto uh, of Mauve. You remember that one? No, Jesus didn't come back for real yet. You didn't miss him, just in case you're worried. But people are hungry for a miracle to beat this COVID thing. You know, of all the miracle stories in the news these days, most of them are related with people who unexpectedly survived an especially long battle with the virus. A Northern Virginia family is celebrating what they're calling a miracle after the husband and father survived COVID-19 and returned home recently after 103 days in a hospital bed, most of it intubated and in a medically induced coma. A man known as Miracle Larry finally walked out of a Manhattan hospital last week, 128 days after he was first admitted with the virus. Miracle or medicine? Maybe a little of both. <clears throat> Miracles do happen because we have a miraculous God. Maybe they happen a lot more than we think. Maybe we miss them because we're just not looking. Well, no one was looking for the kind of miracle they got that day in our gospel lesson. In fact, the day hadn't promised to be that miraculous at all. Jesus had finally received news about John the Baptist's execution at the hands of King Herod, and he was deeply troubled by it. John had not only been his cousin, he'd also been the last of the Old Testament prophets who were sent to pave the way for Jesus' coming. This was also about the time when Herod began to wonder if Jesus might not be uh, John the Baptist back from the dead, a supernatural threat to his reign. Because it wasn't yet time for Jesus to, to have his confrontation with the Roman authorities in Jerusalem, he may also have wanted to step back out of the limelight for a minute, just to kind of drop off Herod's radar for a bit. Not out of fear. <clears throat> God doesn't fear man. But because he still had ministry to complete before he faced the cross for us. At any rate, he climbs into a boat, along with his disciples, and they sail to an isolated place on the northern shore of Galilee um, in the area of Bethsaida, hoping for a little peace and quiet. 
Unfortunately, they were recognized as soon as they shoved off, and the ever-present crowds tracked their progress on foot, running along the shore. They were already waiting for them when the boat put in. Now, we learn lots of things about Jesus in this story, but nothing is more evident than his compassion. He loves love for mankind, even while we were still sinners, lay at the heart of all his miracles. Where we might have felt anger or resentment at, at the intrusion and pleas of thousands of strangers, he takes pity on them, shows them mercy. Where you or I might have been tempted to lash out at the constant press of such, such an overwhelming need, worn down by the, the pressures and demands his ministry placed on him, familiar human responses, Jesus reached out. It was more than just human, remember. Uh, he was true man, the son of man is what he liked to call himself, but he was also true God who had come to save us. If he longed for a break from it all, he didn't often allow himself time to enjoy one. Uh, so many people, so much need. The large crowds that followed Jesus everywhere by this time were, were there not only to soak up every word, uh, but also maybe they were there hoping to catch a miraculous healing. So even in a time of his own need, like the times we have trouble seeing beyond our own problems, he saw only sheep without a shepherd. Now Jesus' understanding of crowds goes beyond ordinary and usual. He has the, uh, the unmatched ability to give personal attention to every face in the room and every soul on the hillside. Once having seen and, and heard him, each person would, would come away as if they just had their own audience with them, kind of backstage pass. And every believer has that ability to connect with God uh, that same way, even today, as God speaks to us through his word, and we respond to that word in prayer. He comes to us literally in the bread and wine of Holy Communion, offering us forgiveness and new life. He knows each one of us, and he knows our names. Just as Jesus loves me, this I know can make the darkest night sleepable for a young soul. Jesus knows me, this I love can bring badly needed comfort to an old soul. So our good shepherd turns to meet their needs, just like he's always there to meet our needs. And he spends the entire day healing the sick and teaching them about the kingdom of God. Now his heart, even in its brokenness over John, goes out to these people. His love overflowed, and what had promised to be just an ordinary day becomes extraordinary, a day of the miraculous. Each healing course was a miracle in itself, but the disciples had seen all that before. But nothing had prepared them really for, for what was about to happen. It was approaching evening, and they came to Jesus, reminding him of the late hour and that he better send these people away while there was still time for them to go into a nearby village and get something to eat before it got dark. But Jesus doesn't send the crowds away. No, in fact, he tells Philip, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Well, you can only imagine the look on Philip's face, right? He's centuries away from Grubhub home delivery. There are no catering services, no takeout, and not nearly enough money, even if there was. There are thousands of people here, Philip reminds him. And even if we could find that much food, it would take eight months' wages to buy so much. In fact, there were probably as many as 10 or maybe even 15,000 people there if you counted the women and children. <clears throat> Jesus didn't expect that Philip would ever be able to find that much food out in the boonies where they were, but he did want to see how he might approach the problem. 
Now, John's Gospel tells us that about this time, Andrew walked forward with a young boy in his lunch. Um, this is about it, Lord, just five barley loaves and, and, uh, and two small fish. And you know he was thinking to himself, not much to work with. Bring them to me, Jesus said, and have the people sit down. He already knew what he was going to do. Sometimes I think, you know, when we go to Jesus, at his invitation, with the enormity of our own needs, you know, we go hoping but never really expecting that he'll be able to help us. Not with our problems. But we think way uh, inside way too small a box. See, we limit our expectations to our own limitations. Even after an entire ministry of miracles, Jesus would still have to remind his followers, with God, all things are possible. How many times do we hear God's invitation? Like the one we, we have in our reading from Isaiah this morning. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come, buy and eat. Or Jesus inviting all who are weary and burdened to come and find rest in him. But sometimes we're like Philip. Our problems seem insurmountable. And because we think like Philip, we walk away with those same needs because all along we're thinking to ourselves, what's the point? It's just impossible. I don't see any way out. So how could he? Don't miss a miracle simply because you weren't looking for one. Don't ever believe for a minute that you're not worth his trouble. You know, you were purchased from sin Death and the devil with his own shed blood. He died for you. And he rose on Easter morning to give you hope beyond the grave. For nearly five months now, churches have been faced with some serious ministry challenges. We've been faced here at peace with serious ministry challenges. And we've been faced with uh, uh, the idea that can a, can a church that doesn't pass an offering plate keep the lights on? Could we actually maybe expand our ministry with a new online presence? And God working through all of you, we did. And we are. What usually keeps local congregations from accomplishing greater things and overcoming challenges is that they leave God out of their planning. They don't think about what he could add to the pot if they just asked. And don't think for a minute. He's not waiting for them to ask. It's a story about a businessman who needed millions of dollars to clinch up an important deal. And he went to church to pray for the money. Uh, by chance, he knelt next to a man who was praying for $100 to take care of an urgent debt. The businessman took out his wallet, uh, slapped a $100 bill into the man's hands, and, and the man was, was uh, just overjoyed with it. Uh, he got up and thanked him, he, and he praised God all the way out as he left the church. The businessman watched as the man left and the door closed behind him. And then he bowed his head and he prayed, And now, Lord, that I have your undivided attention. Well, we don't have to buy God's undivided attention. Don't believe for a minute that buying an angel hot chocolate mug on Craigslist is going to buy you a miracle. Uh, no one ever had to pay for Jesus' gifts. That's the essence of a gift, isn't it? It's free. It only costs the giver. No one ever had to walk away from Jesus without their real needs being met. No one ever had to walk away from Jesus empty-handed or unchanged, unless they chose to. 
He needed the disciples to understand that the only limitations on God are the ones we put on him in our heads. Now, maybe we can't see a solution, and maybe we can't imagine a miracle from the meager ingredients that we can see, but God can. He doesn't see with our eyes. His imagination and his power, they have no limits. Maybe the next time we approach God to talk to him about all our needs, all the things we don't have, that we should ask ourselves, what do we have? Now, what are our resources? What have we already been blessed with? Why do we even listen to those dark thoughts that God was able to create everything out of nothing, is unable to work a miracle out of something, even if that something is only the faith to believe that he can? Don't sell faith short. Even a small faith is no small thing. Faith connects us to the God of miracles, the God who even knows our name. Whatever they had, Jesus would see that it was enough. You know, we have to move beyond our own human thinking with all its limitations. Well, when the people were seated, Jesus looked up to heaven, gave thanks, and he, he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute. Don't miss that part either. Jesus included the disciples in this miracle. You know, Jesus often uses other people to, to be a blessing, to be part of, a, of bringing a miracle into someone else's life. Uh, he did it then, and he still does it today. You know, the disciples kept passing it out, the, the loaves and the fish, and, and no matter how much they handed out, there was always more to take its place. They even gathered up 12 doggy baskets of leftovers after everyone had eaten their fill. One for each disciple. A coincidence? Uh, maybe, you know, maybe it was to never help them never forget the no limits power of our God. Jesus could have had the disciples go sit in a corner and just had lunch appear in everyone's lap, complete with napkins and silverware. But that's not how he usually works. He uses people, people just like you, people just like me, to bring his blessings and often even his miracles into the lives of others. Have you ever wondered what would have happened if that little boy hadn't given the disciples his lunch? You know, not on your life, he, he might have cried. Hey, somebody help me, this guy's stealing my lunch. Or if he'd been like most young boys his age and he'd already eaten it. Wouldn't have changed a thing. Dinner would still have been served. But he didn't. <clears throat> See, he made himself and the little he had available for Jesus to use and the result is the only one of Jesus' miracles that appears in all four Gospels. It's that important. No one went away hungry that day. The Lord used what he had and what was, a, what was a available, who was available, to, to work a miracle of truly biblical proportions. The disciples and that little boy had been the channel through which the blessing flowed. Just like God, you can use you to distribute his grace and blessings. And you know, that when that happens, that's one of the most important, greatest blessings you'll ever have a chance to know. Now, it's probably not going to be at a level like the feeding of the 5,000. Sometimes maybe it'll just be showing up, you know, being a friend, a visit to a shut-in maybe, or more likely these days, a phone call to check up on someone you haven't seen, someone you haven't heard from in a while. Henry Ward Beecher up uh, 19th century congregational preachers said that every tomorrow has two handles. We can take hold of it with the handle of anxiety 
or with the handle of faith. Jesus wanted the disciples to learn to grab that handle of faith, and the Holy Spirit has preserved this story for us so that we might learn that for ourselves. That same Jesus who had such compassion on the hungry crowd so long ago still has passion on us in, or compassion on us in our times of need today. He continues to step into our lives in so many ways. And you know what? You don't have to believe in miracles to know that God cares about you. He stepped down from his throne in heaven to be with us, to become one of us so that he could rescue us from the curse and condemnation of our own sin, to keep God's law perfectly you know, for us in our place. And as he did, he experienced all the parts of life that we experience, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The Son of God learned what it is to be human. He had compassion on us because he's been where we are, where we've been, uplifted, encouraged, uh, elated, doubted, denied, betrayed, and broken. Even when we hurt, he understands. He's been hurt too. Our miraculous, miraculous God invites us this morning to come to him, come for rescue, come for refreshment, Come for relief. Come for rest and renewal. Come, he says, and be satisfied. And he can do it. Amen. And now may that very special peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.